We're just two buddies discussing fantasy. Oh, God, it's sort of sorcery. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, cats on the keyboard. You're tuned in to Sort of Sorcery, a grubby, bubbly goo of heroic <laughs> fantasy stew. My oh, name yeah. is Will. And I'm Chase. And we're happy to have you here. Oh, yeah. For the inaugural episode. It's a beautiful, it's a special time. Uh, we're all very happy. Uh, and today we're talking about sword, sword and, sorcery. and sorcery. Oh, yeah. We right on. Very well. Perfect chemistry. Beautiful. You can beautiful. expect a lot more of that to come uh-huh. in your future. It only gets worse from here. Oh, yes. yeah. For the uninitiated, the biggest question, of course, is what is sword and sorcery? Yeah. You know, you ask your average guy in the street, they're going to tell you, you know, it's uh, your guy. Yeah, he's the big barbarian. He's burly. He's strong. He's holding a sword up Love to the sky. Lady right next to him, you know, uh, wearing, well, not much. Not to be much. Fully honest. No. She's not wearing much. Um, and it's just, you know, your general uh, very hyper-masculine, hyper-violent uh, world of barbarism, swords, sorcery. You know, you, you, get, what, you get what you get. You yeah. Know. I mean, there are swords. Most often. Sure. And usually sorcery if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. And that's a genre. I think what we want to talk about is, one, conceptions people have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like Chase is saying, a little bit of misogyny, maybe sure. a little bit of cultural insensitivity at times. Sure. But it's an <laughs> they're important not, They're genre. not wrong about that. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And starting, I'm just going to read, as any educated man does, straight from Wikipedia. Beautiful. And enlighten people a little bit further. And according to the good people at Wikipedia, sword and sorcery is a subgenre of fantasy characterized by sword-wielding heroes engaged in exciting and violent adventures. Elements of romance, magic, and the supernatural are also often present. Unlike works of high fantasy, the tales, though dramatic, focus on personal battles rather than world-endangering matters. Overlaps commonly with heroic fantasy, wouldn't you guess? Yes, it does. And one of the you know greatest works of heroic fantasy, I would say, in uh, the past I guess 100 years, you know, 19, 19 Yeah, let's go back yeah. as far as we can. Let's a go thousand. back as far as we can. <laughs> in the past million years of human progress. Um, I, w- I would say, you know, Conan the Barbarian is generally what people will think when they think of sword and sorcery. Uh, there's swords, there's sorcery. There's oh, yeah. Big burly men. It's, oh, yeah. it's the prototypical sword yep. and sorcery. Big story. men, little loincloths. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to love it. It's funny. The ratio of big man to loincloth. The bigger man you get, the smaller the loincloth will be, you know. Uh, and that's really what you want. Uh yeah, basically Conan the Barbarian, or Conan of Samaria. Uh, it's the story of a lone barbarian, Conan, as he traverses the world uh, during this age called the Hyperborean Age, which is basically, you know, for the uninitiated, uh, the age of the world after the fall of Atlantis. We all remember Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> we remember yeah. when Atlantis... This so. is basic history. This is basic history. Uh, and, you know, he's climbing up the social ladder from thief to king. Uh, and this story, basically, uh, when you watch, you know, most sword and sorcery films most sword and sorcery media uh you'll see this barbarian protagonist and you always wonder like why why is this the go-to conan is the go-to uh conan is the reason why this is such a common trope but when you read the original stories you'll see that the trope was being used to contrast civilized society essentially uh you'd see the barbarian as this uh opposite figure to you know your kings to all of these other like civilized forces, but what uh, Robert E. Howard, the writer of Conan, wanted to show was that there will always be this element of violence to any kind of large-scale civilized yeah. structure. Uh, this violence does not only exist among the barbarians. This violence exists 
among every social structure which we take as common. Yeah, which is very timely for when he's writing. Obviously, 1950s, mm-hmm. post-war period. Mm-hmm. A lot of bad things had happened in the world. Sure. We had seen a pretty ugly side of civilization, a pretty ugly side of institutionalized power. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this writing, right, is in response to that. Yeah. While fantasy, as I'm sure we'll get into as the podcast goes on, is old as humanity itself. This genre does play a very specific cultural level role in addressing ills that are happening at the time and giving people, in many cases, an escape from what's happening. But yeah, I mean, like you're talking about, Robert E. Howard, he's the godfather of sword and sorcery as a subgenre mm-hmm. of fantasy. And obviously, a lot of people in the time when he was writing were playing on what Robert E. Howard was doing. Right. Very popular Copying. genre. Yeah. You know, yeah, they were taking inspiration, <laughs> sure. very liberal inspiration. Uh-huh. Uh, but who doesn't get inspired every now and then? I get inspired constantly. All the time. And we have a lot of fans at the time who are sort of congregating going into the 60s. There's one particular fanzine, and might I just say, the death of the fanzine is truly one of the greatest losses Horrible. Of, yeah. of comic book, nerd, fantasy, fandom. Uh-huh. You know, bring back the fanzine. Bring it back. You know, what you get now, uh, it'll be some weird, you know, uh, evangelical pastor handing you a pamphlet, mm-hmm. a Sonic the Hedgehog on the front reading the Bible. That's as close as you get to a fanzine now, you know. Yeah. It's these brochures. And, and it's, I, it's almost as good. It's almost as good. If I'm really being honest, when I'm really pitching it to myself, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. And Amra, 1960s, is the first sword and sorcery specific fanzine. Mm-hmm. Now, the first issue doesn't start that way because there's a discussion amongst a lot of other prominent writers of this kind of heroic fantasy. Mm-hmm. You have Fritz Lieber, Mike Moorcock, others as well, L. Sprague. And they were talking about what, what do we call this genre? That's new. It's emerging from fantasy. It has some specific tropes. Right. And Mike Moorcock is the one who initially poses the question, what do we, how do we term this? How do we talk about this? And he writes an open letter to authors, to fans, calling for a name mm-hmm. for the genre. And that response comes from Fritz Lieber in the 1961 July issue of Amra. And he writes, I'm just going to read straight off. He says it so much better than I could. He's an eloquent man. Oh, yeah. Moorcock. And I quote, I feel more certain than ever that this field should be called the sword and sorcery story. This accurately describes the points of culture level and supernatural element and also immediately distinguishes it from the cloak and sword historical adventure story, quite incidentally from the cloak and dagger international espionage story too. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. And obviously, all these genres, they're interconnected to some extent. While we can say, well, this is sword and sorcery, this is its birth, its inception, Those tropes are in other places. They're borrowed. And Sword and Sorcery itself is just a progression from this age-old history of storytelling and mythology and magic and monsters and guys with big swords. And then you really get into the question of what is sword and sorcery? Is it a writing style? Is it a checklist of things? Just any story with swords and sorcery, is that sword and sorcery? It would seem like no. Uh, (laughs) You would hope not. You would hope not. You would really hope not. There's a lot of these stories, swords and sorcery. Uh, <laughs> but like, you really have to wonder, uh, what is sword and sorcery as cinema? Yeah, because obviously, to some extent, genre is what genre does. Mm-hmm. There is a certain culture level impact that the genre has that other genres probably don't have. Mm-hmm. And while we see in the '60s, that's in response to a lot of heavy issues. It's sort of an escapism for a lot of people. Right. In the '80s. As we're talking about, we move right into movies. Yeah. No more dusty old books. No more comic books. We're over it. That shit's over. Movies Old now. and busted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have HD. Not quite. Well. But we have cool <laughs> effects. We have As good, good actors most of the time. 
and good stories some of the time. Yeah, well, yeah that, that one you can take early. Yeah. And obviously, Conan the Barbarian, 1982. Right. This movie, highly anticipated. Beautiful. The story is still in everyone's minds. Uh-huh. Schwarzenegger. Still Schwarzenegger on everyone's minds as well for yeah. a lot of reasons. For Big many guy, reasons. sexy man. I'm Big thinking arms. about him. Governor awesome. of California. Governor of California. <laughs> political official. Uh-huh. My president. Really. That's the real intersection between politics and the sword and sorcery genre. Yeah. You wonder why is it important now? It's because, you know, sometimes these actors, they will become political officials, you know. We need to catalog these people now before they go on to the public sphere. And sometimes they become the dad from Good Luck Charlie. From Good Luck Charlie. <laughs> we'll get yeah. into that uh-huh. when uh-huh. it's time, of course. Mr. Kramer himself. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Seinfeld character, right. the dad from Good Luck Charlie, <laughs> also known as Kramer. But the cinematic genre of sword and sorcery, I would say, is even less well-defined than the literary. Movies based on folklore, mythology, history, and fantasy can all exhibit some of the common tropes and themes associated with the sword and sorcery story. Obviously, fantasy writing has evolved since the 50s into the bit. 60s, 70s, all kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, young adult fiction, very big. We were raised on that stuff. Yeah, Percy Jackson, Harry Potter. And in Potter. a way, swords, sorcery, yeah, heroic fantasy-ish. I would say so. Uh, very much like Percy Jackson uh, when you read it. It's very marked by like these you know feats of heroic, maybe not always strength, but like problem-solving. Uh, sometimes, you know, he exhibits yeah. character traits. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I, uh, I think it's, you could still read Percy Jackson or like any other young adult fantasy as falling from the lineage of the heroic yeah. fantasy, the sword and sorcery genre. Yeah. And when we're talking about movies as a visual medium, there are some some tropes that are taken from the stories. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the hyperviolence, the lewdness, mm-hmm. prominent in Conan type stories. Well, and you look at Star Wars alone. Yeah. Like uh, the Star Wars movie poster, what is that if not an, a direct homage to the, you know, pulpy sword and sorcery yeah. movie, or like books and like comic strips of the past, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, the hyperness mm-hmm. of the sword and sorcery genre yeah. is especially attractive in the visual format as well. Because, you know, as you've very aptly put it, you have a lot of like coked up 80s directors <laughs> who are just ready to give you. Everything you want in a yeah. movie. Big guys, beautiful women, sure. evil sorcerers, heads chopped off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes brothels. a magic item that does something. Sometimes there's magic, and sometimes the magic is consequential. It's about 50-50. It's really about 50-50. You'll, you'll see. Yeah. But when we're talking about what makes a sword and sorcery story as a movie, how we categorize it, it's a very difficult question. Categories like the action movie. Sure. Like the fantasy movie, the science fiction movie generally are pretty easy to identify. Uh-huh. If you have a guy doing action, action movie. If Tom Cruise is running around on screen. Uh-huh, you know. on little stilts. <laughs> yeah. He's standing on a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real action movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's in many ways prototypical of what other action movies look like. Mm-hmm. I think Mission Impossible, great example of a movie that can easily identify a genre. The schema for an action movie. Right. You've got fast cars, you've got guys shooting guns. Sci-fi movie, you got to be in space. Uh-huh. There are Alien certain babes. checklist items. Yeah. Alien babes in space as well. Sure. That's what's so great about space. <laughs> Anything <laughs> can happen. That's why we're trying to get there. Yeah. <laughs> we want to see the babes. <laughs> but, you know, the babes checklist, the babe alien checklist, mm. isn't necessarily as clearly identifiable for sword and sorcery stories. Sure. There are a lot of other subgenres of storytelling and fantasy in general. That can kind of get mixed and melded in mm-hmm. epic fantasy, right. and even more generally, mythology. 
I think this is a really interesting point to talk about mm -hmm. because take a movie, Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. Right. Or even folklore, Jack the Giant Killer. Are these sword and sorcery stories? <laughs> I like the idea of referring to Jack the Giant Killer as folklore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it comes from some culture, presumably. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> some folk tale. It was what, Italian, right? It was Could as be. most of these movies uh -huh. are. Yeah. And you gotta wonder what elements of a mythological narrative are excused from a sword and sorcery story. Mm -hmm. It's something so real. Oh, well, if they talk about ancient Greece and Homer's Iliad and mm -hmm. Odyssey or Troy, which we now know is real. Sure. Does that make it not fantasy? Right. Uh, and I think a good example of this dilemma is going back to Conan the Barbarian itself. Uh, like In those stories, it's in the vein of a historical epic, but the names of the countries are switched around a little bit. Greece is Stygia. Uh, like there's all of these like different analog yeah. names and you'll see that with most sword and sorcery movies the countries will be analogs for real world places because they want to capture the the violence the uh political shifts of history without making it too close to real world history uh, and like i think that mix of antiquity but still distancing from reality is something that marks sword and sorcery interestingly but i guess yeah the question is how do we get to that point of yeah. the need for distancing from reality, from folklore, which is itself inherently based in reality, in history? It's folklore in a very yeah, real it sense. Is. Yeah. Well, in some ways, as fantasy sort of abstracts itself mm -hmm. from the nature of reality and stories build on each other, you almost have stories about stories. Right. You have right. folklore about folklore, mm -hmm. which is very interesting, very meta. And I think one thing we're going to try to do is kind of Push that envelope a little bit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, some movies, Conan the Barbarian, indisputably a sword and sorcery film. Yeah. Other films that have a, a national origin in local folklore or mythology that's known generally, mm -hmm. even Greek mythology is in itself Western folklore of yeah. a kind. Yeah. So when we look at those kinds of movies, you know, maybe we'll throw one in every now and then and, and we'll talk about how that can contribute to establishing or disestablishing the genre this guy just wants to watch troy he wants to watch, I just troy, want to watch so bad. troy guys it's not <laughs> he that... just wants to see brad pitt <laughs> in some sandals it's not that big of a deal okay <laughs> i want to see sweaty men fighting in the sand right, right. <laughs> amazing film I mean, I, i'll be. take your word for it never seen yeah. it never seen it and that's why we're doing the podcast right to make you watch this troy. is all a ploy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the troy ploy uh -huh. this is the trojan horse <laughs> oh we're good. in it right now that's, that's good <laughs> These movies are fun. Um, that's fun. that's one of the biggest things I'll say about establishing mm -hmm. a cinematic genre that is sword and sorcery. You got to have fun with it. Yeah, it's got to be camp in many cases. I think a lot of people, yeah. especially when you grow up watching some of these movies, older viewers mm -hmm. alive in the eighties probably saw some of these as they came out, and looking back on them now, incredibly camp. Sure, camp to the point of being unacceptably camp in some cases. Um, things are a little over over the top. Right. The sensibilities of a 21st century person can be challenged sure. by things that happen in these movies. Yeah. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, there are definite points of, if we're, really, if we're getting back to the point that you've kind of been alluding to earlier, of escapism, you know. Uh, you wonder, escapism for who? Yeah. You know? uh, for these me. Exactly. These movies were made for a very male really white male audience yeah uh and escapism for them may not look for look like escapism for everybody else you know 
Uh, and for that reason, some of these, you know, fantasies can seem uncomfortable for other viewers. Uh, but I think it's important to look at that, to analyze what is happening here, uh, to see, I guess, how sensibilities have shifted in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely a reflection of the cultural dogma of what's happening sure. in society at the time mm -hmm. and what's acceptable to show on screen. Right. That element is especially interesting in the 21st century where we have shows coming out now, Euphoria, mm -hmm. The Idol, yeah. HBO really leading the Sam charge Levinson. on, on <laughs> risque really content. Yeah. Uh, thanks to the, the genius, the Do perverted genius of Sam Levinson. a sword and sorcery film. It would be terrible. Please it no. would ruin Please the world. No. And I think one element of these newer shows and films that exhibit explicit content mm. that might be missing in sword and sorcery films is the purpose, right? Yeah. What is this explicit nature of the film mm. doing to either further the plot, further the themes? Is it doing anything at all? Right. Uh, and, you know, when you read Conan, there's very much a sense of the, the explicit, the violent, all these things feeding into a sense of human nature in a way yeah uh like the ultimate heights of human feeling human emotion but i think yeah what you're saying about the pointlessness of uh certain amounts of like nudity or exploitation in these 80s films is that it almost seems passionless at a certain point like it seems like these things are being thrown in to i guess mindlessly titillate in a sense uh versus like actually stoke emotion to oh, represent yeah. yeah passion uh but you know it's each their own, right? Yeah, you know? it's each yeah. their own. And I think what we don't have time to talk about, but mm. it's an interesting broader question to talk mm. about is what is the purpose of a movie? What yeah. is a movie supposed to do? Yeah. Is it purely to entertain? Can movies just be entertainment? Mm -hmm. And I think while Sword and Sorcery in its infancy, when Robert E. Howard is writing Conan, mm -hmm. certainly had a lot of very interesting hot takes, if you will, right. about the role of civilization in pacifying people and suppressing or even engendering violence mm -hmm. that's there you can see that you can read that in the story does some of that get lost as we go into the 80s oh most certainly yeah most certainly yeah. <laughs> uh, because at a certain point as you're saying yeah the barbarian becomes a figure that is not used to lambast or criticize society it's a figure of just a big guy wearing a loincloth you know yeah instead of showing any kind of salient point about the world that we're living in it becomes a showcase of just some man's muscles. Yeah, which is a difference in medium, I yeah. think, a lot of the times, because while you read a book, you can't imagine what the places look like, what mm -hmm. the characters look like. But if somebody's literally showing it to mm -hmm. you, well, they're going to show you the most visually stimulating, <laughs> yeah. pleasing thing they Sweaty, can. Sweaty, greasy, yeah. <laughs> oiled up man. <laughs> just covered in baby oil, head yeah. to toe. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you want in the 80s. <laughs> you know, hey, it's what we want now, uh -huh. I think. <laughs> the powerlifter fantasy yeah. of, of being like Arnold. Just some orange man. Just a large, hot dog looking <laughs> man. And there is, there's a an element of levity and, and fun to that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think... When we talk about these movies, as we will in the weeks to come, and when we review these movies, we're still going to have fun with it. Right. Um, there are going to be things in some movies, and when is appropriate, we will issue a content warning. If mm -hmm. that's going to be in one of our upcoming movies, we'll let you know. Things you might want to fast forward through. Sure. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to remember these are just stories yeah. that are being told by people, and they are more a reflection of what's happening internally with the director, the creator, the actors, the writers, then a reflection of real events that actually happen. In yeah. many cases, um, 
things racism was still alive in the eighties. <laughs> I want to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was very much out and about. It yeah. was. But it still is now. <laughs> if you still can't believe now. it, yeah, we haven't beat it yet. We're uh-huh. almost there. This podcast has got to be a step in the right direction. Right. If we just get enough buff guys mm-hmm. with enough swords, maybe we'll take. We can down. liberate everyone. We can liberate everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not actually liberating or enslaving people within the scope of the movie itself, sure. as a work of fiction, as a piece of entertainment. So we're all going to try to have fun with it, and we hope you can have fun with it too. Yeah. I think that's an amazing place we can segue into the final question. What is sword and sorcery? Not just as a genre yeah. or a genre of cinema, but as a podcast. Oh, see, now I'm interested. I was, I was half asleep. I mean, he, uh-huh. he saw me. My eyes, they were half lit at the whole yeah, time. Yeah, I knew I had to bring the conversation back to Chase. I needed it to be about me. <laughs> and now we're here. Now we're here. <laughs> now he's engaged. Uh, and I think doing something like this creative endeavor Obviously, we find not just an element of entertainment and mm-hmm. what we can provide you, but some purpose as well. And right. I think we wanted to, at this point, talk about why does the genre matter? Yeah. And that's definitely an important question. Uh, you know, people, they ask me on the street, Chase, yeah. why are you Please. starting a podcast about Tell things? me. Are, aren't there enough men having podcasts, talking about things into mics? <laughs> and I said, well, they're not talking about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are not talking you about this. You won't find this anywhere else. <laughs> but I think, you know, in a very broad sense. The, it's important to talk about the sword and sorcery genre just uh, for the simple reason that it is a precursor for so much of the fantasy, so much of the fiction that we enjoy now. Of course. Uh, and as Will was saying earlier, it does say something about the at least interior worlds of the people who were creating these stories. It says something about the, the biases, the hopes, the dreams, as all fiction does. Uh, and I think it's important to study fiction, especially fiction that I think, you know, in my opinion, has been... Uh, disregarded in the way that sword and sorcery fiction has. Um, and even beyond all that, just because it's fun to talk about. It know? is fun to talk about. Uh, it's fun Absolutely. to be in a soundproof room with my buddy Will here. You know. Yeah, and of course, we're some fantasy experts. Sure. Chase, English major, specializes in fantasy. Yeah, I didn't want to brag, but... Yeah. You know, me, a guy, specializes in fantasizing. Oh, yeah. That's got to count uh-huh. for something. I, you know, every time I look at him, he's staring off wistfully. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, you know, I'm daydreaming some uh-huh. wild gallivanting adventure with my <laughs> three-pronged sword. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Shoots other swords mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. That's the magic. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> but the power of a story cannot be overlooked. It's been talked about on a million different podcasts and TED Talks sure. and writers' workshops. But there is something, I think, very liberating if not escaping Mm. in the nature of engaging a story like this in your conscience thinking Mm. about what it does for you in the moment and that experience of watching the movie reading the book Mm. but also what does it do for you as a human right why do i feel these intense emotions towards this story what within me is being activated by this yeah exactly and this genre you know we both agree coming into this podcast Mm. is an important and evocative way of reaching that emotional height Mm. Possibly in the 21st century as well. The yeah. genres died off. We ended our history kind of in the 80s because mm-hmm. that's largely where things end. Yeah. The literary merit of the <laughs> genre is somewhat stripped away yeah. by the camp films of the 80s. And while you do have newer Conan the Barbarian movies. <laughs> yeah, Jason Momoa, he's out going there. Going up into the yeah. 2000s, right? Uh, they're flops. They're flubs. Sure. They're not highly regarded yeah. in any way. And I think... Going into this, we talked a lot about what can the genre do today? Mm-hmm. What can it do for people today, readers of fantasy and just people? Right. And I think the most important part of that is something that we touched on earlier in the podcast. This is a callback. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, 
the idea of sword and sorcery being a genre that instead of like as opposed to epic fantasy which focuses on these larger political shifts these greater battles uh between what are armies what have you uh sword and sorcery it's focused on the individual it's focused on the interiority the feelings of one person one yeah like one person's interactions with other people uh like and i think that in itself is something that's very important uh because that's what we see in so much as we mentioned earlier young adult fiction uh it is focused on the interiority of whatever one person uh, groups of people uh in the same way that sword and sorcery was then uh sword and sorcery is the direct i guess uh precursor to these more interpersonal focused fantasy stories uh, and i think that is because it does have a power that other genres of fantasy may not have to evoke personal feelings of triumph of loss yeah yeah well especially in a time where things are rough and things have been rough in most times sure. of I human would, existence <laughs> uh, but it's not like they necessarily are getting any easier right <laughs> the things that we have to overcome high inflation sure. climate change they're big problems. They're big problems that seem almost too encompassing and too large for an individual to do anything about. Right. So that that catharsis that you're talking about of an individual reaching triumph by their own merit, by the, right. the strength of their meaty arm, <laughs> it's something that is still, it's an attractive narrative of victory mm-hmm. that people might not get in their ordinary lives yeah. as just a worker. And I think, you know, in a broad archetypal sense, maybe the power of the barbarian as a character is that what makes conan special is not necessarily something that is removed or uh something that's lacking from other people it's something that all people share it's human passion it's human strength that unites all people and that's what he's using in these stories uh and i think that idea can be used as a source of unity for all people yeah you know beautiful Beautiful. I couldn't yeah. have said it better myself, and yeah. I won't even try. He's a beautiful guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to get very, very meta at this point, we're going to talk about well, what is this podcast? What's mm. it going to look like mm. week to week? What do we do here? Well, it's well, it's a visual. It's an auditory medium. Uh, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, and if you could see what we look like right now, You'd the things horrified. we're doing in the studio, <laughs> yeah, sure we're getting up to in here. <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe. Yeah. Let me tell you that. But each week, and it will be each week, oh, yeah. fingers, crossed, fingers crossed, we can do it. I yeah. think we can do it. I think so. We're going to watch a movie, and this is going to be considered very, in a conceptual way, season one right. of the Sword of Sorcery podcast. Right. We love fantasy. We love all genres of fantasy. Mm-hmm. They all have their merits. We're starting with this. We like this. We love these movies. They're funny. They're goofy. We're right. going to have a lot of gaffes and laughs, <laughs> and that's, that's what we want you guys, the listeners, to be here for. Mm-hmm. Enjoy those laughs with us. But eventually, we might transition to other things as well. For the time, for this season, we're going to watch movies, baby. We're going yeah. to open up Amazon Prime and find <laughs> the lowest of the low. They'll put anything on there. <laughs> you can upload whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, and that hey, is the beauty. You, the listener, could upload something right now. We'll have to, yeah, and we'll we'll have have to watch, watch it. it. That's yeah, just legally, how the show we'll works. We'll have to watch <laughs> But we're going to watch a movie. And we're going to tell you at the end of this episode and at the end of every other episode mm-hmm. what movie we're going to watch. You can watch along if you, if you want. want. Yeah. If not, just come along for the ride. We'll paint a picture in your mind. Yeah, and in many ways that will be more hilarious and absurd yeah. than actually watching the film because 
you can't believe your ears uh-huh. when you hear some of the things that happen in these movies. Truly amazing. Yeah. We're going to do a plot synopsis. It's going to trade off. Each week, one of us is going to lead the charge mm. on explaining whatever horrific and, and wondrous things happened in the film. Right. And, and the, the other, other person, person will try to really just mm-hmm. cut the other person off at the, at the past as many times as possible. Yeah, yeah. interject as many times as they can in <laughs> that section as hard as of the possible show. The person to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to get both perspectives, mm-hmm. and we're going to get one person's perspective predominantly just to kind of see how we as individuals, what we think is important about the movie, right. how we evaluate it right. from a plot perspective, what's important about the plot, what is very, very dumb about the plot. <laughs> That's the best part, in uh-huh. my opinion. Um, and we're going to review it. We're going to yeah. go over it. We're going to talk about things like the creation and the reception when that's applicable. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show when we announce what's going to be on the menu oh, for yeah. next week. Oh, yeah. But we're going to go through some fun things. And I don't know if you want to talk about, since you are the architect in many ways, ah. of the bingo card. <laughs> the bingo card. What are, what are some of the tropes, some of the things we might expect out of these movies and look for and hope for? Well, you know, just to name a few. Uh, so basically to, you know, give you a look at what this bingo card is. Uh, it's a little checklist of things that really just appear throughout most of these films. Mm-hmm. Most, if not all. Uh, because it's really just tropes. And just a few of them to read off of here. The Secret Twist Villain. That's a classic. Classic. Evil Wizard. Pretty closely related, but not always the same. Yep. Um the bland protagonist, well, what are you going to do about that? You know? It's tough. What, it's hard to write characters. Tough. It's hard to write characters. Uh, overly specific prophecy, barbarians, obviously, along with barbarians, mm-hmm. scantily clad people. Uh, yep. Just, these are things that you'll see in most sword and sorcery films, but they're just a little bit different each time. A little bit different. A little bit different, a little yeah. bit silly. Uh, and we're going to see. We're going to see if we can get a bingo. My personal favorite, of course, are the RDGs. Sure, he loves the racially the dubious goblins. <laughs> racially you dubious would goblins. be surprised yeah. how many films have a racially dubious goblin or and, ghoul. And little, you know, listener, I, I'm seeing your face right now. You're you're wondering to yourself, racially dubious goblins. That, that they couldn't be in that many movies. No. <laughs> There's simply no way. There's no way that this term of racially dubious these these guys are just making this up. Yeah. Clearly, you know, they're just having a, someone a in the 80s sort of had the sense to not include mm-hmm. this trope in almost every sword and sorcery film, yeah. a racially dubious goblin. <laughs> You're well, going to have to watch to find out see. just how many films have RDGs in them. You will see. And that segues perfectly into the movie oh, yes. we'll be discussing next week. And it's going to be one of our personal favorites out yeah. of the, the small library we have accumulated mm-hmm. watching sword and sorcery movies. It's a film by Ralph Bakshi, oh, yeah. animator, pretty famous guy. He did Lord of the Rings, yes, which if you know fantasy, you might know his rotoscope adaptation. Guy loves rotoscope. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about him on that episode <laughs> and <laughs> all the funny later. things he did with rotoscope. <laughs> um, but this is a beautiful film. Yeah. A beautiful film. Yeah. And it's called Fire and Ice. Fire and Ice. It rolls right off the tongue. Yes, it does. You can find it on YouTube, Yeah, which is something I learned today. Really? You can also find it on Amazon. Prime Video. Yeah. You know, course. if you want to support Jeff Bezos. If you want to do that. that. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's going to be a goof. It's going to be a gaff. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a laugh. I love this movie. It's a great movie. I love things about this movie. I'll say that. I love things about this movie. <laughs> I will be as bold to say, I love this movie. Yeah. I, I think, you know, maybe what it represents, maybe not, you know, whatever. Uh, But. <laughs> <laughs> it's really whatever. It's really whatever. But, you know, I had a great time watching it. 
uh, there was one character specifically who I loved. Mm-hmm. Two characters, really. Yeah. Uh, and that's all you need in a movie. <laughs> that's all you need. Two guys to Just root for or against. Guys. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but we're going to talk about it next week. Fire and Ice. You find it anywhere you find. Fire and Ice. Videos on, on like on YouTube. Pirate it? Watch it on YouTube? Pirate it. Whatever. <laughs> one, two, three movie? I didn't say that. Uh, uh, I, we, we didn't say anything. I don't know what that is. I I've don't never heard know of it. what that is. I can't count. <laughs> I don't know what movies I are. I don't have a computer. I don't go on the internet. <laughs> officer, officer, they're pulling me away. They're taking me away. <laughs> and that's all for today. <laughs> uh, thank you all yeah. for stopping in, for yeah. listening. It was a blast. I loved it. Oh, yeah. And we will see you next week. We will. I'll right see on you. Time. I'll be looking at you yep. as you're listening to it. Right through your screen. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right through your AirPods. I'll be looking into your ear canal. <laughs> Man, you must have clean these out. <laughs> Damn, you look <laughs> <Shit>. like this. <laughs> but it's going to be another hot, steaming episode oh, yeah. of Sword of Sorcery. Sword of Sorcery. And we'll see you there. We'll see you there. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>